Hello everyone, my name is Zachary Rodier and welcome to episode 7 of the Quarantine Hockey HQ Podcast. We have a great show for you today and I'm on a new microphone today so I hope you enjoy the better and clear audio. Um, but today we have the great Stormy Bonantoni uh, who is the ringside reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, it's a great light fun uh, interview with her. Thank you Stormy so much uh, for coming on and I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. After, we are going to continue our conversation about the NHL draft and draft lottery. There's a few uh, new rules on the NHL 2024 team format. Uh, We'll also talk about a few other things, including Phase 2 and the new uh, Hockey Diversity Alliance. Uh, But without further ado, let's get you right into that interview with Stormy Bonantoni. Today, the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast is excited to welcome the ringside reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights. Before, before covering hockey for the Knights, today's guest covered the Carolina Panthers and was a freelance reporter for ESPN and for NBC News Channel. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ms. Stormy Bonantoni uh, to the show. Stormy, thank you so much uh, for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. An excellent job with the last name pronunciation. I know it's tricky. Yeah, thank you. And uh, Stormy, the COVID-19 pandemic occurred right in the middle of your first year uh, as the ringside reporter uh, for the night. Uh, How much are you ready to get back to it? Oh, I'm so ready. (laughs) I miss it so much. It was really crazy. We, um, the, the day that the pause happened was March 12th and we were in Minnesota um, getting ready to play the wild that day. And the night before Rudy Gobert and the NBA tested yeah. positive and we were all kind of unsure about what would transpire in the next 24 hours. Um, so, you know, the next day comes and we're all preparing for the game as if there's going to be a game. Our morning skate was canceled, but we weren't sure still if there could be anything, yeah. um, if we would need to go on air. So we were all preparing still with the possibility of there yeah. being a game play. Um, and then, of course, everything everything changed, and we had to hop on our plane back home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not fun. And I think uh, right away I started to note, because that night, uh, like you were saying, uh, with the Minnesota Wild and you guys were there, uh, the Blue Jackets um, were planning to have the first NHL game without fans uh, because the governor made that thing. And that's when I started to think maybe uh, that's the season's uh, going to go on a pause. Uh, but – like I said, it's your first year and you've had experienced a lot, but, and you want to get back to it, but what is the one thing you miss the most about it? I think I really miss the road. Uh, and I miss the hustle and bustle of the hockey season. Like I am definitely a very go, go, go person. And so from being in like just full, full on in season, getting ready for what we were all expecting to be, you know, really exciting playoffs, Golden Knights obviously were in first place in the division. They were in really good standings. Um, So I was so excited to, you know, be covering a team for my first NHL postseason. Like, that's what I was really, really looking forward to. And we were so busy, you know, 71 games in. We had had done so much to get to that point. And I I loved every second of it. I really am one of those people that really enjoys working. And so being cooped up at home and not being able to travel and, and do my job and, you know, experience these different places. 
I, I really, really miss that. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be an exciting time when not only is hockey back, but it's back to a more normalized approach where we can travel with the team like we normally would. Yeah. We can be in stadiums full of fans. Because even if there's a hub, it doesn't necessarily mean like the local and the team media gets to come and it may just be like NBC and TSN. Uh, but we'll see. And how are like obviously the Golden Knights are doing uh, some things uh, to keep fans busy during the break. Right now you're wearing the Henderson blank blanks, uh, a t-shirt, which I mean, uh, you guys just had the reveal night and announced uh, the HL team as the Silver Knights. So obviously uh, on a team front, you guys are still staying busy. Um, but how are you keeping yourself busy uh, besides hockey wise, like Netflix and different things that you're doing? Yeah, that was a good notice on the blank blanks shirt. I guess I should have actually worn the real logo because they put <laughs> so much yeah. work into that logo for the Henderson Silver Knights. But it's, it's really a funny cool. shirt. It is, right? Yeah. I love it. I think it's so funny. I actually had a lot of people reach out to me online to see where they could get some. I was like, sorry, there's no more being made. <laughs> yeah, because there's a team name now. <laughs> yep, exactly. And I know that everybody in the city has been really, really excited about the new team coming and a lot of work has been put in to make that happen. But as for what I've been doing outside of work, yes, a lot of just binge watching random Netflix TV shows. I've actually got a puzzle right here that I've okay. been on. Um, that one's of the the uh, skyline in Las Vegas of the Strip. Very and nice. I, I did one, another thousand piece puzzle a couple weeks oh, ago. They're all a thousand. I, I don't know if yeah. I have the patience for that. But. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's good though. It keeps my mind going. Um, yeah. I did the other puzzle I did was actually like of the first home game inside T-Mobile. So that was oh, um, wow. the panoramic, and that was a really fun one. That must be so hard because every all the fans look the same and have no idea it was so tough um yeah and then I did I've been reading a couple books we have a VGK book club so I've been reading kind of like books on my own and then books for the book club that we've been interacting with with fans and kind of reading books together which has been really fun and now that some things are starting to open up I've been trying to go to the driving range and stuff like that just yeah. something to get outside <laughs> yeah I mean uh you guys are in 100 degree weather so I it's it's not too bad of weather there no, so, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. So but I, do I don't know, know if it's cool be too. nice to golf or not, because I just went golfing a few weeks ago, but I, I mean, a few days ago and it was like 60 here and it was kind of nice, but I don't know golfing in a hundred degrees if I could do it. You got to go earlier in the day. Yeah, that's for sure. We did make the mistake of going at like noon one day and we were out there from like noon to two and it was just 109. Oh God. Not good. So won't do that again. I'm too pale for it. I burned <laughs> like a tomato, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, uh, I don't know if I didn't mention this in the introduction, uh, but you were born in Las Vegas. Uh, so how special is it for you to be a reporter of your hometown team? Uh, compared to when you worked in Charlotte? Yeah, I mean, I loved my time in Charlotte. Don't get me wrong. It was a really, really wonderful experience for me there. Forced me to grow up, you know, living on yeah. my own, half, like all the way across the country. But being like back where I grew up and legitimately like City National Arena, where the team's practice facility is, is right down the street from where I went to middle school and high school. This is an area I was very, very familiar with. My uh, The majority of my family still lives here. Um, but it's, it's been awesome. It's really cool. I think just because growing up here, we didn't, 
have anything like the Golden Knights. We didn't have a major professional sports team to cheer on to say it was our own. And as soon as the team like came to be, and I found out that the motto was going to be Vegas born, I was like, that's me. And I locked in and I was so excited. And I I felt like I was a part of something. And I think that a lot of people in Vegas can really relate to that. You, You just feel like you're a part of this team and you feel that connection. And so now to be at the point where I actually get to be in the building and work with those players and work with the team, it's, it's better than a dream come true because it's something I never really thought would ever be possible. Like I I genuinely never thought I would able, be able to work in my hometown. So it's very special. Yeah. Now there's going to be three, there's going to be the Vegas Raiders, the Henderson silver Knights, the Vegas golden Knights. So it's great. And did you have a love for hockey uh, before the job offer and have you watched hockey before or was it more uh, because it was a Vegas team? So I've always been just a sports person in general. So while I didn't really have like a hockey team that I rooted for and that I was yeah. all in on, um, like I was, I was a hockey fan. I'm a postseason fan. Like I watch, I think the postseason is just about every sport just because it's yeah. always the most entertaining time of year. Um, but I really didn't dive in on a team and like take the time to learn every player on the team and 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 their numbers and everything. Yeah. Like I didn't take the time to do that for any hockey team ever in my life until the golden Knights got one. And that was still a couple years before I actually worked for the team. So they, they definitely ignited my love for the NHL and it's not going anywhere now. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, football and hockey are two entirely different sports. Uh, I mean, they both have a little bit of checking and physical, uh, violence a little bit, but what kind of work did, did you have to put in uh, for this change and how different is it from reporting football to now be reporting hockey? Yeah, hockey's a different animal for sure. Um, but I, I actually had experience covering like a ton of different sports. So I would do, I did football, basketball, baseball, soccer, track and field, tennis, cross country, you yeah, know, everything. I, yeah, I've, I've covered a lot of different things. So I think that that's, definitely helped give me flexibility that I can pick up other things quickly. And I obviously had a base knowledge of hockey already. So um, for me coming in, it was just really important for me to ask questions and figure out like the little details. And when I say ask questions, I mean, to the people that I work with, our play-by-play guy, our producer, the people that are internal, and then also the players. A lot of times when I ask them questions it's not like oh this is just a question for tv because i have to interview you right now it's like i'm asking genuine questions because i want to know um and they've been very very receptive and helpful there because they know it's my first year in hockey too so um that's been really nice to have that kind of support but like i said it really is it's a different animal from a lot of other sports that i've covered from a sideline perspective too it's not like football where you're trying to listen into huddles and talking about giving injury reports and yeah. watching somebody's like mannerisms after they've been hurt and they're walking to the locker room. It's, it's, it's not that type of a job. So I think that was a little bit different for me when I was uh, transitioning into hockey definitely as well, that like, I really have to find good stories and be a good storyteller. Um, and, and it's, it's a little bit different. Whereas in football, it's very focused on being eyes and ears in hockey. It's not so much that it's more of the, the storytelling and the story of the game. Well, I think that you're going to, if hockey does uh, come back and there's no fans in the arena, you're going to hear a lot more than you usually would because of the fans. Uh, so yeah, I, really I, that's, 
Yeah, I think that's going to be – and you hear things that the fans don't hear, and I think you can only imagine what will happen uh, if if there's no fans and everyone can hear everything. Um, but like I said, you grew up in Vegas, and you said you didn't – never had a team or anything, but it's safe to assume there there was not a lot of hockey around the city. I mean, I went to a hockey camp before, and th- there were a few Vegas players uh, that were my age, and they said they're – before this was before the Gold Knights came and they said there's like one or two rinks. Now there's a, a bunch of rinks and a lot of people playing hockey. How much has the Golden Knights helped in growing the sport of hockey and how big has hockey become in Vegas? Yeah, it's grown a ton. When I was growing up here, like you said, there were just two rinks and one of them was actually at the Santa Fe um, station here, which is yeah. a hotel casino. So yeah. like, that's not something you would see every day. It was very different. And that rink doesn't even exist now, but, um, it's so cool to see a sport that really from the outside looking in, wouldn't make sense in the desert and yeah. see the way that people have responded to it and latched onto it. And like I said earlier, like just wanting to feel connected to this team, and it's yeah it's just grown leaps and bounds there was obviously we had the thunder and we had the wranglers in different time periods in like the 90s and early 2000s but it's just the nhl and the vegas golden knights are a different animal and it was a game changer here in vegas and you can't go anywhere without seeing a vgk logo somewhere it's awesome yeah i mean everywhere in vegas uh when i was there uh, in the inaugural season restaurants everything I think one restaurant even has the uh, the Golden Knights logo stained into their glass on the little cube. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, but your job uh, as the ringside reporter is to interview people, um, whether that's in Vegas uh, or your previous jobs. Um, who has been your most memorable or best interview that you've interviewed? Like ever? Ever. If you can choose one. You can go into a few after, but if you could choose one, which would it be? <sighs> Um, the, the most interesting person I think I've ever interviewed was John Calipari, um, the University of Kentucky basketball coach. He is just such an interesting person. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame coach, uh, but he like treats you like he, he's just so high and I'm just like a normal everyday person. And he like just treats everyone like they're his friend. And I thought that was a really, really cool thing. And um, we had like an interesting exchange in a game that I did because the, the week before one of the games that I did covering UK, um, this whole thing happened where he like grabbed Maria Taylor's arm and it just, it became this whole thing. And we kind of, when I met him, we kind of just like joked about it. And then when I did a halftime interview with him, they were, Kentucky was up like 20 points or 30 points or something at halftime. It was crazy. So he was a little bit more loose than he normally might be. And I kind of jokingly grabbed his arm and I was like, is this too hard? Are you okay? And he called me out about it on air. And it was just really, really funny and a really genuine moment. And that's probably just one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. That's great. And I mean, also in your first year at Vegas, uh, I mean, the Golden Knights in their first year, in their second year, their third year, they're just a memorable team overall. And I mean, it feels honestly like they've been here forever already. Uh, I mean, I can't believe it's already the third season of the Knights. And But this is only your first year, and it must have felt short and long at the same time. But then it came to a stop uh, with the pandemic. 
Uh, but what was one of your best memories uh, from the Vegas Golden Knights this year covering them? Max Pacioretty scoring in Nashville with 0.3 seconds to fourth <laughs> overtime earlier this year was one of just the coolest sporting moments I've ever experienced. It was just unreal. Like taking it down to the wire is like, <laughs> it was just awesome because everybody's expecting like, okay, we're losing two points here. Then they eventually go on and win the game because Paul Stassi yeah. scores in overtime. And like, that was just that moment. I can just, I can rewatch it. I'm rewatching it in my head right now of the way that Max Patrick scored. And it's just, it was just such a cool moment for me. And then to be able to talk to them afterwards and hear how they felt in that moment as it happened, what they saw, it was just, it was a really cool moment in, in my career and as a fan too. Yeah, I mean, that that's remarkable. I mean, scoring with that little time left and I just can't imagine if it was uh, years ago, I mean, they probably would have said it wasn't a goal, but now now they have all the cameras and everything. And that's kind of what you guys do as well with the broadcasting. Uh, so yeah, and they came back to win it. Uh, I mean, like even it, as Max scored, I was like, "There's, there's no way he got yeah. that in before. There's no way." And he did. And they reviewed it. And they reviewed, yeah. So I, I think, I think some of those down to wire goals, and hopefully, especially because uh, if they're going to have the hub cities and stuff, they're going to be best of five. I hope we see some down-to-wire goals like that uh, because I, I think that would be really fun, and I think we're already going to see a lot of more games and more action and higher-scoring games if that does happen. Um, but as the ringside reporter, you, you see many things uh, behind the scenes that uh, viewers at T-Mobile Arena or people that are watching on TV uh, don't see. Uh, take me through a normal game day and what you be, see behind the scenes uh, that not everyone else gets to see. Yeah, so um, I usually start my day going into the office at City National Arena 45 minutes or so before morning skate. Um, so I'll just kind of like prepare my notes, get an idea of what I want to talk to the players about um, in the dress room after they're done with skate. I'll pay attention to, you know, line combinations, who's doing what, see if anything's changed. Go into the dress room with my cameraman, Chris Jones, uh, and our producer, for the pregame show and the game to see if they need anything in addition to what I'm already planning. And we go around, get sound from different players that we need. Then I'll put the camera to the side and go talk to some guys about if there's anything um, extra that I don't necessarily need on camera. I just kind of want to talk through some questions that I have. Yeah. Um, they're always really receptive and great. And that's kind of like an interesting environment in itself. Um, because you never know who's going to be in the dress room either. Like you can request certain people, um, but for the most part, it's just kind of like random who's in yeah. there. So you just kind of figure out a lot of the stories based on based on who's in there. And those are always fun moments too. Like that's where you get to see most of their personality. I think is yeah. when they're kind of just like relaxed and they're done. They're done practicing and they're all just kind of like hanging out and goofing around with each other. There's always some fun moments where I'll be asking, for example. Uh, at Valentine's Day, I was asking, I think it was, yeah, Jonathan Marshall about um, like chick flicks. Like what are some yeah. of his favorite chick flicks? Because we were just doing like this cute little Valentine's Day feature. And he was just reeling off all these <laughs> movies that he, he was like, oh, Made in Manhattan and 
how to lose a guy in 10 days and like all these total rom-com movies. And then Ryan Reeves is just like, I've never even heard of those. What's wrong with you? Like just, just giving him so much grief, just chirping the heck out of him. So like those little moments that people don't see are just fun and silly and shows that the players are human. Then after we're done in there, we go to the coach's press conference um, where he'll answer questions from the media. And then we as broadcasters will get to talk to coach um, separately after that to ask additional questions or just kind of like more inside information types of things. Um, then I'll go up, make my notes, eat some food, hopefully, yeah. um, go home, get ready for the game, maybe take a nap. That's one thing that NHL players have really taught me is important is you got to take <laughs> yeah. a pregame nap <laughs> and then go down to T-Mobile three hours before the game starts. Um, get with all of our crew, talk through how we're going to present the pregame show, kind of the run of show, how we're going to do everything. Um, any add-ins that I think are important for the game, I'll let our play-by-play guy know um, so that he can try to help make sure that like he doesn't take my stories or I don't take his stories yeah. type of thing. Um, and then we just get going on the game. Oh, but we have to eat again. Eating, yeah. eating and napping, very important in the NHL. They call it yeah. the Never Hungry League. I don't know if you know. I'm never Hungry, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, then we just get underway with the game. And my typical like run of show, I guess, is I'm a part of the pregame show. So I will do a bench interview with um, one of the players after they do a couple laps around mm-hmm. the ice in their pregame warmup, do an interview with him, then maybe do another hit on the bench for our pregame show get out of there so I'm not in the player's way anymore. Um, Go kind of like find my perch where I'm going to do my open hit for the game. And then everything after that is, you can't plan anything after that. So yeah, that's kind of how it goes. And I actually had a question uh, when you were talking about that is, you know, there's a lot of, and I'm in Columbus and you're in Vegas, so we're on different time zones. And there's a lot of teams in the Eastern time zone Uh, but there's not as many on the Pacific and you're traveling around and you travel with the team and not just uh, the team, but also you and the broadcasters, you're also adjusting uh, to the time and staying up late or waking up early. How do you guys adjust uh, to the different time zones when you're traveling? Yeah, Because you're moving all the time. Yeah, it can be a little, it was a little bit tricky at first, I think, because I had traveled with teams before and I was used to traveling for, for football when I covered college football, but that's like one, that's just on weekends. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like, and you're going to one place and then you're coming home versus traveling with the team. We could, you know, travel to LA and then home and then Edmonton and, you know, like we're just yeah. jumping all around. Like we could go from Canada and then go to New York. And um, that was just it was very different for me at first and it did take a little while of an adjustment. Mm-hmm. And I think the only part that's really tough about travel is when as soon as a game is over and it's time for us to head home or head wherever we're going to next, we legitimately just hop on the bus, hop on the plane and go. And yeah, boom, you're done. And yeah, yeah, we're out of there as, as fast as possible. We get that text message that says what the bus time is and what the flight time is and we better be on it. And so we'll arrive places sometimes at like two, three in the morning. And yeah. at, at that point, it's, it's weird because you'll, you'll sleep on the plane if you can, but sometimes you just can't. And then it's two, three in the morning and you're like wired and awake when you really don't want to be wired and awake. Yeah. Um, so that kind of just 
you, you figure it out as you go. And so you the hope back you always, to backs too can get. Yeah. You just like, if it's a back to back and it was one of those situations where we got in really late, then they wouldn't do morning skate in the morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just let everybody rest and get ready for the game. And uh, those are nice. I, I, I like those <laughs> days when we have the back to back. So we skip morning skate. Yeah. I, I, I just can't imagine that. I mean, there's, 31 teams uh, so you're visiting everyone and going from place to place to place and with all the different times uh but what's probably your favorite location uh either you can choose it arena what like best arena or best uh, town that you've gone to uh out of the 31 teams well i mean that's vegas, not vegas yeah it's not vegas <laughs> vegas obviously is number one yeah um, I actually think my favorite was Nashville. And I, I think a lot of people say that too. Um, I know our crew in particular really enjoys Nas Nashville. Yeah. Um, it's just a really, really great environment uh, in, in the arena. It's, they do a really good job. And the city itself, just the, to be in that city and have the history of Nashville and have live music playing everywhere you go is just kind of a fun, cool spot to be and a really easy accessible Starbucks in the morning. That's always good. Yeah. No, I, I spoke to, to Dave uh, Gosher and, yeah. he, and he told me about uh, when, when Shane made him go out, got him a gig uh, to go play uh, in Nashville. Oh, Shane, I was gonna say, Shane didn't make him. Dave, Dave oh, got Dave. on stage voluntarily. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but uh, Shane, Shane set it up. But yeah, I think uh, those experiences and, um, Nashville, I, I've heard a lot of people say Nashville, uh, and especially in the playoffs uh, when they're smashing cars, like they can't do that this year. But I mean, that that seems crazy. Um, but like, like uh, you were, I was just saying, I uh, wish Shane and all of them. Uh, it seems like your broadcast team is uh, you guys are tight, and you guys obviously are probably playing some pranks or doing some funny things with each other. Uh, what has been the funniest moment or story uh, you've witnessed uh, or been a part of this season? Um, yeah, so I love our crew. We're very, we're very laid back. We have a lot of fun together. Like I think of those guys as family now, which is crazy because I've legitimately only known them since September. But yeah. when you're on the road with people and you're around them every single day, you just kind of bond and They've been awesome. Shane messes with me constantly. <laughs> um, he, I think, I can't even think of one time because he's done it so many times to me. Uh, oh, when we were in Buffalo, he like put, we were just sitting at a bar top for dinner and he put like a bunch of stuff in the pockets of my jacket that were sitting on my chair and I didn't know. And then I reached over, grabbed my wallet out of the one pocket and there's just all this stuff in it. And I was like, oh, you're so annoying. Da, da, da. But I didn't realize that he put stuff in the hood as well. So oh, I God. got it out of my pocket. And then I'm like walking the rest of the night with this jacket and all this stuff in the hood. Nobody tells me. And I don't even realize it until the next day when we're going to the arena and I go to like put my hood on. Oh, and all this stuff just like falls on my head. It was like swizzle sticks and straws and napkins. And I had no idea. You're, lucky it, you're lucky it wasn't <laughs> buffalo sauce or something. No. Oh my gosh. See, that's that they're good about that. They haven't done anything that'll yeah. actually ruin my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but just, yeah, funny stuff. And I mean, uh, and it's great that like the broadcast team and everyone gets along and the, and it's actually sad though, that, I mean, you guys can't continue this this year and continue with the playoffs. Uh, but we've heard a lot about 
uh, the NHL in the 2014 format and the hub cities. What do you think uh, will ultimately happen? Yeah, um, that's that's what I think. I mean, as long as we have games, <laughs> then yeah. like that's what they have put in place. And I really do feel like there will be. I think that we're on like an upward trajectory when it comes to, you know, they're really trying to get phase two started here soon, get players in small groups at the facility. Um, they're still trying to vote on how to, execute phase three and phase yeah. four but i think that like they're they're very forward thinking and they've done a good job looking up the things that need to be done in order to have the players feel safe have the players feel comfortable and when the games do resume have the players and the league in sync and on the same page about what will ultimately be a worthy stanley cup champion yeah and i think that's been like the priority from Gary Bettman from everybody involved is that they want the Stanley cup to be delivered and they want it yeah. to be given to somebody who really deserves it. And I think that they, since they've agreed on that format, that's what they believe will happen. I think it's wild though, that for the top four teams in each conference, that they're going to do a reseeding with the round Robin. I think yeah. that could get really interesting. Cause if you're a team like Boston and you come out rusty in those three games, yeah. that you have something. I, I, I wouldn't mind that, but you know, <laughs> I know, I know <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't mind that, Yeah, but it's, it's just interesting. But it could be good for Vegas too. It's because just you guys could so a team with that big of a lead might yeah. not end up actually having the one seed. And then another thing still to be decided is if they're going to reseed after each round or, yeah. Uh, if they're going to go just typical bracket style with the games we already have set. So it'll all be pretty interesting how yeah. it shakes out. But I, I definitely – I like what they did where those top four teams, those games mean something instead yeah. of them just being kind of like meaningless tune-ups. Yeah, because I think it gets tricky with that because Boston or St. Louis, they could say it's not fair that we could lose our seating. Uh but at the same time, they say we want we don't want the games to mean nothing uh, because we want the competitiveness. So I think uh, there's I think this is maybe a little better, but you know there's good things and bad things uh, with everything. Um, but to cap off this all off, uh, after experiencing what will probably be uh, the end to the first season that you'll be covering uh, with the Knights, uh, what do you look forward to next season specifically? And after experiencing this year, what will you do differently next year to make it even better? Yeah, I think that this year was all a learning experience for me. And I was just trying to get better every day and make sure that I was doing the right things and that um, my boss is like me and that I'm asking yeah. the right kind of questions and that I was able to build chemistry with the people around me and the people that I work with. And I think that throughout the course of this season, I started to achieve that. And I'm hoping that next season, I'm just able to grow, you know, yeah. and be more, be more free flowing and have things come more naturally versus like me being so anxious that I'm, you know, making hockey fans disappointed. Yeah. Like I want, you know, I want people to know that I worked my tail off to learn everything that I possibly could about this team and to cover the sport um, in a way that it deserves to be covered. And so hopefully that's, that's really my goal next year is just to feel like people are comfortable with me and that I'm being welcomed in their homes, you know, like that's yeah. really 
that's really what I have hoped to achieve this year and want to grow and continue to do next year and just continue to get better. But I'm really just excited for kind of what's going to be a weird year, you know, like the possibility of starting the season in December or January is kind of wild. And I don't foresee anything like this ever happening again in my lifetime. So I'm excited to be a part of something that might not ever happen again and, you know, see the challenges that come with that and how our team, um, you know, responds to those challenges. Yeah. Because of less, less, uh, more back-to-backs and possible more injuries and things like that. Yeah. It's going to be a wild next year's going to be crazy. How it'll, how they figure out the schedule and everything. And if they start, uh, with that, with the winter classic on June, January 1st, I, I think that'd be really cool, but who knows uh, when fans uh, could even be back in the arenas. Uh, but Stormy, uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast and speaking with me. Uh, do you have anything else uh, to add? Well, I just wanted to say thank you for everything that you've done. Like you're such an inspiration. I can't believe that you're as young as you are doing all that you do. I really appreciate you having me on and um, you should be really, really proud of everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully uh, I'll be back in uh, Vegas uh, in the near future uh, or when you guys uh, come to Columbus, uh, I definitely want to say hi. Uh, So thank you so much uh, for coming on and uh, stay healthy and stay safe. Thanks. Same to you. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that great interview with Stormy Bonantoni. Stormy, thank you so much uh, for coming on. And I love having the conversations uh, with all the broadcast team and everyone that I've interviewed so far. Uh, It's great to hear their stories uh, and talk about the behind the scenes of what happens at a hockey game that you wouldn't usually see. But anyway, let's get into our NHL news. Uh, We have a few things to talk talk about. Uh, Last week when I was talking with Dave Gosher, um, we ran out of time to talk about the NHL draft lottery, and I talked about it just for a minute because uh, it was a longer episode. Uh, so I'm going to get into a little more about the NHL draft in the draft lottery. Right now, we do not know the date of the NHL draft. Um, that is still up in the air, and we'll decide, uh, and it's probably going to come after we know when phase four and the game start um, for the NHL resumption of play. But we do have a date when it comes to the draft lottery. That is June 26th. That will be phase one of the draft. I know there's a lot of different things with phases, so it can be complicated to understand. Um, But just like any other draft year, there will be one, two, and three. Those first three picks are able to be, uh, those are going to be in the draft lottery, and every team is up for grabs for those. Just like every other draft lottery year as well, they will be the same amount of The odds will be the same, and there will be the same amount of teams, which is 15 teams. This is going to be the same, but the only difference is that there are, right now, we only have seven teams that are not in the playoffs. Those seven teams are being ranked on their point percentage, and their names are in. All the other teams uh, in the draft lottery, they will just be Team A, Team B, Team C, Team D, and etc. Um... The draft lottery on June 26th will happen. If any of those three picks are won by any of those letter value teams, we will go to phase two. Phase two will then decide which teams from the losers of the qualifying rounds will get that pick. Each pick 
uh, and every team that loses the qualifying round will have the same amount of odds to get that pick, um, which I think is kind of good, uh, especially if you're one of if you're Pittsburgh or if you're another team that loses to a high seeded team. If you lose, you still have a decent chance uh, to get a draft, a high draft pick um, if phase two does happen. But if all three t- uh, picks are chosen by teams in the top seven, or as we call it in, in the regular standings, the bottom seven, uh, then phase two will not happen at all. And phase two would happen after the NHL qualifying rounds. And again, since we don't know when the qualifying rounds are going to happen, we don't have a date for that. Um, and that's pretty much it for the NHL draft. On paper, it sounds very confusing, um, but I hope I explained it as well as I could. Uh, now, let's get on to the NHL uh, news with Phase 2. I'm recording this news segment on June 8th, and the podcast comes out on June 9th. Uh, and today on June 8th is a Monday, and today is the first day that the NHL is opening practice facilities. This is fantastic because it's really the next step uh, for the games in the NHL uh, to come, and that's the first step in being able to return to play. Right now, uh, not every club is opening this week. Um, there's some that are starting soon um, in the next week or so. Uh, not every team, like I said, is starting today, um, but it's obviously extremely, extremely exciting uh, to see the Phase 2. That announcement came a few days ago, and boom, the teams came on it. Uh, they still have a lot of protocols to follow, 29 uh, pages of protocol, six players at a time. The players have to leave the whole arena, sanitize, and then new players can come in. Um, so also another thing to note is every club, say Austin Matthews right now and Frederick Anderson, they are in Arizona. The question is, can Austin Matthews, uh, since he doesn't want to go through 14-day quarantine in Canada right now, can he go practice at the Arizona uh, Coyotes facility? The answer is yes, if they ask uh, the team and the team lets them. Uh, so that works with any player that's living in another facility. They are part of that 16, that six players, and they can go in if the team approves them. Um, but... I th- we don't know exactly how long phase two of these small player practices are going to be, uh, but right now, again, they are voluntary, uh, so you're not required to come if you don't feel comfortable, um, but you have to get tested um, a day before you go into the arena, and after every two weeks, you'll get tested again. Uh, but now let's move on to the 24-team format. The NHL made a few announcements this week with the NHL uh, return to play format. First of all, like we know, the qualifying rounds are going to be best of five. But the question was around one and two going to be best of five or best of seven. It's going to be best of seven. Personally, I think this is great to keep the integrity of the playoffs. The only reason they were talking about best of five uh, or best of seven was because the players are going to be in that bubble for a while and maybe they want to shorten it a little bit. Uh, but I think the integrity is more important in my opinion, because the players want to feel if they win the Stanley Cup that they did it um, with the integrity that every other year has to go through. And honestly, if you are one of the teams in the qualifying rounds and you win the Stanley Cup, you went through more than any other team has had to before. Um, But now also with the 24-team format, we didn't know if there was going to be reseeding after the qualifying rounds. The answer is yes, there will be reseeding, and there will be reseeding 
every single round. So the best team in the division, or excuse me, the conference, will play the worst team. And after the qualifying round, the best team will play the worst team. And after the first round into the second round, same thing. Third round, same thing. Stanley Cup final, same thing. And the home advantage uh, will be the same. Uh, the NHL, obviously there's not home advantage, but the NHL says they will be denoted the home team and will get to wear their home jerseys. But there's really not going to be much advantage with that. Um, that's all it is with the 2014 format. It's basically send stone now. Uh, we know what's going to happen. And I think now that we're in phase two and now we have the rules for, uh, for the 2014 format, things are starting to come into picture, I think. Uh, we're still thinking mid-July, maybe for training camps to start. And really, once we know that training camps are going to start, we know that we will get hockey again this summer. Um, the phase two doesn't mean much, uh, but it's a step in the right direction. Uh, same with the 2014 format. Now, uh, that's it. So let's switch uh, to finally a different front. Right now, there's a lot of uh, things going on with the world, uh, with the protests and the riots and um, the change around the world right now uh, with Black Lives Matter and police brutality and things like that. Um, the NHL has released a statement saying that they stand with the Black Lives Matter movement and want to continue uh, to make sure that there is no racism uh, in the league and that everyone has the same opportunity. Uh, hockey is for everyone. That's what they always say. They have a whole month for that. Gender, sexuality, religion, race, anything that would impede someone from doing something else. The hockey and the NHL make sure that that does not happen at all and that hockey really is for everyone. Uh, for that reason, uh, today the NHL announced a hockey diversity alliance, which has many African-American players uh, in the league uh, to make sure that they continue making sure that the league uh, is going to continue to be for everyone and that there is no racism uh, in the league because we had uh, the Calgary Flames coach had that problem this season. And that's why he was taken off the team. So that is why they started this Hockey Diversity Alliance. It's going to start working uh, with other African-American players, not just in hockey, but across the sports uh, world to make sure that hockey really is for everyone. Anyways, that is all we have for the NHL news. Of course, NHL and the NHL news move throughout the week, so make sure you follow us on social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I hope you enjoyed that great interview with Stormy Bonantoni and the NHL News. There was a lot of talk about this week uh, with the NHL Draft Lottery, Phase 2 starting, the 2014 format, and the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Uh, of course, like I said just a few seconds ago, always follow us on social media, on Twitter, at HockeyHQPodcast, Instagram and Facebook, at QuarantineHockeyHQ. If you want to send us a message, go to anchor.fm slash quarantine hockey HQ. Also, we are available on every podcast platform, link tr.ee slash quarantine hockey HQ. And if you do not see the podcast on your normal uh, podcasting listening software, please let us know again uh, and send us a message on social media or on our website, anchor.fm slash quarantine hockey HQ. If this is your first episode uh, with the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast, 
Welcome to the Quarantine Hockey HQ family. I hope that you listen to our past episodes. We have some great interviews um, from across the hockey community. And let me tell you, we have a bunch of great hockey podcasts ahead with great interviews. Um, We have a lot of great people lined up that I hope you're going to enjoy. And of course, we're going to keep on going uh, until hockey starts again. And when that happens, uh, we'll see what happens uh, with this podcast. Maybe we'll continue, maybe we don't. Um, But like I said, we have a lot more planned for this podcast. And I really thank everyone for listening. Uh, I can't believe this is already the seventh week this podcast is happening. And it's all thanks to your support. So again, thank you so much for listening. My name is Zachary Rodier, and we will catch you on the next one. Thanks.